0: Is Victor Wenbenyama unanimously the number one prospect now? And will he become the 2023 NBA draft's top pick? Or can another prospect jump him and steal the number one spot? Much like Paolo Bancaro did when Chet Holmgren was decided to be number one entering this season. Find out next. You are Locked On NBA Big Board, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome all, you're listening to Locked On NBA Big Board. My name's Leif Tulene and Rafael Barlow calls me the grinder because I watch more college basketball than anyone else. And with no more college hoops to watch right now, my eyes have been trained in the summer league. I've also been watching a little bit of the overtime elite uh, team playing in TBT or the basketball tournament. And you know, when they're, where there's basketball, I'll be watching. And the 2023 draft certainly has a lot of intrigue for me because it's considered to be one of the best drafts in the last cycle, last few cycles. Uh, I just wanted to thank you guys all for making locked on NBA big board, your first listen every day. And remember to make locked on NBA big board Another lesson in the future, and it's free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at Locked On NBA Big Board, where the best way to help us grow is to comment anything below. And today's question is Who do you think can potentially supplant Victor Wenbenyama as the number one pick in this deep and talented class? Will we discuss them in this opening segment or in the second segment? And before we mo- uh, address the much anticipated question of Can Victor Wenbenyama be considered the top guy from now until the draft? And he's been the number one guy from even way before this draft. And people have been like, wow, the 2023 class is special. Um, before we address that question, is will he still be that top spot? I wanted to thank our title sponsor, Bet Online, for sponsoring our show. And now, without further ado, let's, let's lay out the show for you guys. In the first segment, I will discuss the question of, is Victor Nbenyama a lock to go number one? He seems to be, but is he? Can someone leapfrog him, much like Paolo did with Chet? This question is a loaded one. And one more so more so than you think. It, it does mean that someone can be worthy of a top pick, but it also means will they supplant him and be the top pick? Because, you know, not always is the number one pick the best pick. And we'll see if Paolo is because Chet looks spectacular in summer league, as did Paolo Bencaro. And then in the second se- uh, segment, I'll discuss my first impression on the Thompson twins. And could maybe one of those two become a contender for the first pick or maybe both of them? Based on, and, and I'll talk about what I saw from their appearance in the TBT or the basketball tournament being played right now, uh, where teams, usually of former college teams, uh, like, you know, Ohio State's got a really rich tradition with the Carmens True. Their, their standouts come back and form a team in an effort to win a million dollars. And it's a great basketball tournament. And the Thompson Twins, youngsters, played in it and had some bright moments. I'll discuss their prospects where their range is expected to be in the nba draft and who what teams should be looking for them that are likely to be high in the lottery and maybe can they be in the conversation for the number one and lastly i'll award my first and second team all summer league honorees to sum up the summer league coverage that you've heard all along since the summer leagues began right here on locked on nba big board let's dive right in I'm going to analyze this question in depth and give you a few different answers. Is Victor Wenbanyama locked to go number one? And I wanted to thank the cooler for a couple of these suggestions on topics here, because we, we were thinking what can we do to make this special in a week where we're, we're replacing Raphael Raphael's out with a, an awesome, awesome news of having a baby boy. And maybe we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for him to be in these big boards in a few years. Time flies. Anyway, Is Victor Wenbenyama locked to go number one? Can someone leapfrog him like Paolo Bancaro did with Chet? This question is is multifaceted. Yes, right now he's number one. I think it's hard to argue that. He's he's listed seven foot two, but you see him stand next to Zach Eady, who's seven foot four, played for Purdue um, at the FIBA U19s a summer ago, and he's taller. So I'm going to say in between seven foot five and seven foot two, we'll split the difference seven, three and a half. The guy moves like a deer. He's got skills. He shoots the ball well. I think the weight is, you know, the concern because he's gangly, but he's already 230 pounds at, at 18 years old. He's, he arguably could have been the number one pick this year. And had he been four, four days older, he would have been able to be eligible for the NBA draft because you have to be 18 at a certain point. The youngest player in this year's draft uh went and it was Jalen Duran, and Duran was just, just not too much older than, Victor Wenbenyama, and Wenbenyama is seen as a far better prospect than Duran. Duran, obviously, is someone I was super high on having him number six, and I felt like I was correct about him based off his summer league performance. Uh, the second facet of this question is, when someone goes number one, does it mean they're the best? Uh, and, and, no, not always. Um, the question here is, is will, will he stay number one, or will he be supplanted as the number one pick? And And I think that he doesn't necessarily automatically amount to being the best, but he is seen as a generational prospect. He's like, he's the grand prize that the Spurs right now are tanking. And they're the, that's the team that that's had got all these links. And they, they certainly know what it's like to get a big man. That's generational and what success it can bring. They, they took uh, Tim Duncan in 1997 and won five titles. Granted they had David Robinson, but you know, Tim Duncan, Won five titles, three different uh, championship teams, and three different generations. Obviously, five titles in that two thousand three, two thousand five, two thousand seven, two thousand. You know, and obviously, right in his rookie year as well. So that's the first gen- generation, and then of course the notable one beating the Heat, that the Big Three. So, you know, that's a lot of lot of wins for, uh, for a team with a generational center, and I think the Spurs know that recipe well and are considering him to be the favorite best prospect since LeBron. I'm not sure, but that's what he's regarded as. The The question is who can supplant him? Like Palabankara was never an underrated prospect. Everyone knew he was going to be a top three pick or, or I'd say just about everyone did. Uh, he was number one on my board. Chet Holmgren coming into the year was number one on my board and the difference between them uh, grew a little bit at the beginning of the season um, to be, to be, you know, I've got Chet ahead at the before the season began. And then once they played head to head, I was like, oh boy, this is wire tight. And then as the season progressed, I think Paolo Bancaro became the answer for me at number one. The the difference here is that Bancaro was an obvious contender, and Chet had his had I wouldn't say issues, but they, they there was questions surrounding him. Could his physicality or the lack of weight translate in the NBA? What position would he play? And he he I think he expelled some of these questions pretty early on in the summer league with a dominant performance. But, but Victor Wembanyama was a better player than Chet in the U-19s when Chet was 19 years old and Wembanyama was 17. Uh, he almost led France to a victory as a 17 year old over the USA featuring Jaden Ivey, Chet Holmgren. Uh, Kenny Lofton may have won them that game and he's a standout in summer league and, and many other guys who were uh, standouts in college and some froze already. Uh, Patrick Baldwin was on that team. Mike Miles, long story short, my answer is I doubt Victor Rembenyama becomes anything other than the first pick a barring injury. And obviously you knock on wood and you, and you hope he's not that uh, there is star power that could have extraordinary seasons and make this an interesting conversation down the road. I, I doubt it, but scoot Henderson is special. He has a shot. If he is a star in the G league at 18 years old at 17 years old, he scored 14 points per game in the G league. And you heard people say, They've never seen a 17-year-old operate the way Scoot Henderson does, other than one. And that one was Kobe Bryant. And I think people have said that Scoot Henderson's the best 17-year-old they've ever seen. And that I think included Kobe Bryant. And obviously, you don't know if he's going to be better than Kobe, but that's high praise because at 17 years old, he's playing against former parade all-Americans, grown men, and playing and battling for playing time on his own team, playing with guys that were drafted in the lottery, in the first round, in the second round, having lottery talent. And he still stood out. He's got elite athleticism. Bounce uh, is, is ridiculous. He did a reverse, like, between the legs dunk where he put the ball between one leg, went back and grabbed it, cocked it back, windmilled. Like, no one can do that. And he's also just got this patience and feel and know when to burst that you just don't understand unless you watch him live a couple times that you, you say, wow, like, what does he do well? it's, it's all of his it. pick and roll. Navigation is phenomenal is get, he gets to a spot, shoots mid range jump shots and everything. And, and I think a comparison for him, and this is not meant to be hyper hyperbolic. He, he reminds me a little bit of Derek Rose, the way he can get to his spots has this burst, but there's this calmness and, and, uh, and just efficiency to his game. And, and you hope that he can have some of that early start on Derek Rose did, especially like winning MVP in 2009, but, uh, you you obviously hope for MVP in 2011, and you hope for the health in the long term that Derrick Rose was unfortunately not able to receive. I would still say Victor Wenbenyama is the favorite, and I think he will be number one. He is generational. I think he's spectacular, best defender in this draft in all likelihood, and and offensively he's got the potential to be like the biggest unicorn you've ever seen with skills that he's had since he was young. Like I've known about Victor women since he was 13 years old. And I was like, well, this guy's going to be overrated. Then I watched him a couple times and he puts the ball between his legs, shoots the ball from three, has an array of mid range moves in the post post moves, catch and shoot lobs, defends, runs like a deer can guard on the perimeter, protect the rim. Uh, he's the number one pick in my book, but scoot Henderson has a chance to make it intriguing. And, there's, there's a chance the Thompson Twins, maybe maybe a guy like Nick Smith can make it interesting. Maybe if Dariq Whitehead at Duke has a standout season. But Victor winn is where I'm going to take my money to the bank. But coming up next, I'll discuss my impressions on the Thompson Twins, who maybe could be a contender for the number one pick based on their appearance in TBT or the basketball tournament being played right now on ESPN, and which teams should have their eyes fixed upon their games, because they'll be in range to draft the Twins. But first, I'd like to tell you about BetOnline. BetOnline is your source, your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs, MLB baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport, sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. I'll say this about BetOnline. You, you want to see the most up-to-date scores, and you're, you're trying to track a game that you bet on, and you look at your sports apps, Yahoo Sports, ESPN. BetOnline's ahead. If you go to the live bet and you're trying to place a live bet, even if you're not placing the live bet, bet online is ahead of it. And you can watch the game on BetOnline. It's a, it's a great way to watch a game. And you, and you can see the, where, where the betting odds change and you place your live bets. I've been betting on tennis this summer, a lot of Wimbledon bets. So I'm looking forward to the U.S. Open Series and placed a few on the NBA draft as well. And, and I think there's some free agency destination ones out there that are pretty intriguing as prop bets. And welcome back into Locked On NBA Big Board. I'm Leaf Tulines filling in for Rafael Barlow. Call me the grinder because I watch more college basketball than anyone. But these two twins that we're about to talk to uh, talk about are not playing college basketball. They're playing for Overtime Elite, and they are elite. Also, shout out to our sponsor for this second segment all week long with the NFL Top 50, which NFL stars moved the betting line the most starting July 18th, which is today. Locked on gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from odds makers at Bet online available July 18th on locked on NFL, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Speaking of stars, like I, like I mentioned, these two twins have a chance to be stars that you should keep your eyes peeled for the Thompson twins. who will be on every draft nerds radar if they aren't already and likely will become household names soon enough to the average NBA fan. I'm going to break down their games and talk about their debut in TBT and I have a few teams that I, I've, I've penciled in that should have their eyes ready and especially tuned on the Twins. Um, where do we start? They each scored nine points in the TBT in a loss. Uh, they, they, were, they lost 74-70, to 70, their team did, I should say, the overtime elite team, against a, a grown men team. This was a very young team. Uh, we'll start with Ammon Thompson. Thompson had nine points, four assists, three rebounds, and three steals. It's, it's a pedestrian stat line, but the way this game is played is an Elam ender, and they, they, they say, well, here's the target points to get once you reach a, a certain score and a certain time in the game, and the game is different. The, the, the ebbs and flows of the game are a little different than an NBA game. There's less, there's less drawn set plays. A lot of these teams are new playing against each other, and some are old and mature and, and against teams that feature professional players playing both in the NBA and in Europe. Uh, Ammon Thompson, a scouting report. Uh, well, firstly, he's ranked fourth on the Tankathon big board. I'm just going to go off a standard big board. Tankathon's awesome in the sense that you can sim a lottery. You can see where your teams are. It tells you the stats of the players, especially once the college basketball and and Overtime Elite and G League Ignite start playing. They tell you how many points to score, how many points per 36 minutes, uh, free throw percentage, what their projected stats could be in the NBA. But Ammon Thompson is ranked Fourth on Tankathon's big board. And a couple of the strengths are he has great size for a combo guard. He's he's got a really, really quick first step and explosive, just dynamite athleticism. He also has a high-level feel and understanding for the game as a passer. Um, sometimes his biggest knock as a passer is that he's too unselfish and loves to find teammates, takes a few risks. But you know, I love players that like to force the action and their issue is that they're so unselfish to a fault that they, they make a few passes and you're like, oh, you don't need to make that one. Like that's a, that's a turnover, but it's a coachable turnover. One that can be coached out of a player more easily than you can coach in that passing instinct. And if you couple in a six, seven, 200 pound point guard shooting guard, uh, sign me up. I think, I think he's, I saw a jo- a post jokingly say, that he's got the passing ability of Luka Doncic and the vertical athleticism of Ja Morant. While that is hyperbolic, probably facetious of the post, you can see the elements that they reference. And I, I, I talked about how Scoot Henderson reminds me of Derrick Rose. And I said, that could be hyperbolic, but I really meant it. I, I really see the change of pace and the burst from 0 to 60 being the same and the ability to go to the same spots. I won't go as far as to say he's got the passing ability of Luka Doncic. I think Luka Doncic is a savant passing the ball. But he he really does see the floor well in an early, early stage and understands how to use and leverage that athleticism into creating stuff for his teammates, which is a very important skill because not everyone is gifted at scoring with the ball. They need people to facilitate. And if you can do both, score and facilitate, as well as be an elite defender because of the, those athletic traits, if you're locked in, that is someone with a really really high floor and an exceptionally high ceiling as well uh, and that is why he's worthy of top 5 pick and potentially could challenge Victor Wembanyama for that top, top spot his twin brother osar thompson is a skywalker an elite above the rim playmaker is an absolute freak athlete long arms 6 foot 7 makes the game look easy uh, he's super quick off the floor and just as bow- just about as bouncy as it gets you see a couple guys with springs in the nba I would argue already Osar can get up with the best of them. Uh, he's got elite burst to the rim, and he's ranked on uh, ranked number five on Tickathon's big board. He and Ammon come in at four and five. I, I think the question becomes, how does overtime elite, um, how do scouts view overtime elite? And And the answer to that question is, so far, no one has been picked that has played for overtime elite. You saw a guy like Don Barlow just got signed on a two-way contract to the Spurs, but he was not picked in the draft, and he stood out in the combine playing against guys who played in all different leagues and conferences in college, some G League players. And and you just don't know how respected the league is, but I think these guys will make it must-watch, must-scout TV and and an appointment notice. where There will be scouts all over this league, and they'll see how do these guys translate to the NBA. And that's going to be a big question. I think there'll be a lot come about 10, 11 months from now. There's going to be a lot of people questioning, well, does this translate to the NBA? Because what I saw here was against such and such competition. You see that every year. You see that from against mid school people that play mid major basketball. You see that from the G league. You say, well, Oh, will it be NBA ready? And as a prospect, often that's the best source of competition. But the other question about the overtime elite is what happened with G league night, Jaden Hardy, if he hadn't played, Uh, the g league he would have been a top 10 pick for sure he went to 37 now he's going to fight for those extra 20 million dollars that he probably would have had in his first contract um overtime elite we'll see if that pathway works and I, I, i buy the the thompson twins to make that a successful transition and i think there's certainly people to be on notice for teams that could be interested tony jones a great beat writer slash reporter And overall, great duty right for the Athletic on the Utah Jazz. So the Jazz very much should be watching the TBT the other night when the Twins played for Overtime Elite. And and he's right. Like, the Jazz will be in that range. I worked with the Jazz broadcast team, and I work at a local radio station that covers the Jazz here in Utah. And the Jazz, the way that the franchise is going, they need a game-changing talent. And the, the way the game is in the NBA, there's athleticism and versatility are two things that come at a premium. And I would say the jazz are certainly teams uh, a team that likely assuming the trade, the the trade rumors with Donovan Mitchell, if those go through, uh, I think the jazz will safely be in this, this upper half of the lottery and very interested in the Thompson twins and which one stands out more. I'm not sure. It depends how the roster is constructed. Maybe obviously I like to go best player available over fit, but sometimes the fit is perfect with what the roster construction is and it, with a lot of picks likely to be coming in, the Jazz certainly are a team I'd, I'd have my eyes on for the Thompson Twins. I also think that the Wizards and Spurs could be interested. The Spurs, obviously, I talked about how they're longing for Wen Benyama. Everyone does. Um, but but if they're to fall down a couple spots, assuming the Thompson Twins do not overtake Wen Benyama, Scoot Henderson, this is a team that, that could really have a thriving athlete to replace what DeJounte Murray was for the Spurs. Um, they obviously made a, a pick that I really love in Blake Wesley, but these guys are complementary players and modern wing long guards. Um, and then as for the Wizards, they could they could use the talent to help Bradley Beal in the short term, and then have them be the star to replace Bradley Beal in the long term. And. Coming up next, I'm going to award my first and second team All-Summer League honorees to some of the Summer League coverage that you've heard all season, all Summer League long uh, from Locked On Big, NBA Big Boards team. But first, a word from local sponsors. Welcome back. And without further ado, here is my first and second team All-NBA Summer League team at I had a very difficult time coming up with a, a traditional point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center lineup. I tried to keep it pretty close, but, uh, but uh, my first team is going to have two guys I would consider shooting guards as my guard spots. The point guard I listed here is Quentin Grimes. I, I see him more of a two, but uh, you'll see why he's the point guard on this list with my shooting guard coming up next. Quentin Grimes was arguably the best player in the entire summer league. If, if I were to cast a vote on MVP, he would have gotten my pick. And as someone who's seen the, the jazz uh, rumors talking about Quentin Grimes being someone they're fixated on um, if they were to trade Donovan Mitchell, that is certainly good to see, and, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Quentin Grimes dominated. You saw the second-year leap, someone who was knocking down threes with ease, getting to the rim, shot a lot of free throws, defensively knew where to be, Did never looked phased. And in his worst game, he scored 19 points. And that's something that's really hard to do when you're playing with a lot of new players and the Knicks lost in the championship game to the Portland Trailblazers. But I think Quentin Grimes is the best player in the entire summer league shooting guard. The reason I had Grimes at a point guard, I, I have Cam Thomas at the two guard. Cam Thomas averaged 29 points per game uh, in the summer league. He's a he's a bucket scoring guard and he knows how to score wherever he is on the floor. There's a couple games where he didn't actually shoot well from the field, yet still like sleepwalked his way into 25-point performances, getting to the free throw line, drawing fouls, shooting threes, shooting mid-range, getting to the rack. Uh, He's a guy who I think will have an expanded role in Brooklyn and should be fun to watch his development as someone who I think has the potential to be a sixth man of the year and potential big-time scorer even if he were to be in the starting lineup despite having a lot of talent around him. At small forward, I put Keegan Murray, who I know is probably more of a four, but I think it's very top-heavy in terms of who uh, who's the big boys are. And and I, I want to give a little nod to Trey Murphy here. He didn't play in every game, um, and he'd certainly be in my first team if it were to be all basketball players, but i got to reward the performances put on I, in the summer league specific. And Keegan Murray also played in the California Classic and dominated there. He scored 20 in – five or six games and Keegan Murray found a way to do it in plethora of ways that I I wasn't sure he'd be able to do this early in his career and I I said in a podcast recently I was wrong on Keegan Murray I, I should have had him higher I didn't realize his scoring would translate this soon and obviously his intangibles that everyone raved about including myself have translated that I expected to translate but the scoring was so evident even against Chet Holmgren he was able to get to the rim from the perimeter and finish over length. He was able to shoot over the length and score on on curls, pin downs for threes, some flares, pump fake, get to the mid range, work from the mid post, score, uh, and be a defensive and rebounding machine. Keegan Murray easily first team all summer league. At power forward, I have two players, which is cheating, but I will I will say why. Palo Bancara was phenomenal in his uh, his appearances, but he was limping off on the, after the second game. And so I don't want to put someone who only played two games as my first team, though. I want to recognize that. I think he deserves a spot for his performances. My power forward is Tari Eason though. Tari Eason was the 17th pick of the draft. And I mentioned, I thought he was a steal and Tari Eason led the entire summer league in doub- uh, in rebounds and double doubles as a, as a six, eight small forward power forward. His activity level was off the charts rebounded the ball scored in in a number of ways not as expansive of a role but he was able to pump fake knock down a few threes get to the rim show off that prowess of getting to his right hand no matter who's guarding him finishing at the rim dunking with authority and being a defensive monster and at center i have the number two pick Chat holmgren he was in salt lake dominated had a debut with 23.7 rebounds shot the lights out from three he continued to do that all Summer League long, he he had seven out of ten uh, performances. Seemingly every game influenced that he had a six blocks in his debut, which was a Salt Lake Summer League record. He had a number more impressive blocks in the Vegas Summer League, and he led the Thunder to an impressive showing in the Summer League. In the, on the second team, a New York Nick point guard, which is not Quentin Grimes, it's Deuce McBride as the point guard. He had four game and through four games, he had seventeen points per game on fifty-two percent field goal shooting. And uh, he led them to the title game, nearly led the Knicks to the title. Uh, I did not get to see the championship, which is why my stats aren't reflective of it. Uh, 85-77 was the score in favor of the Blazers, but I, I was not able to watch it as I was traveling back from camping. And Deuce McBride is a guy from last year who I, I found to be an interesting player because he had all the same traits as Davion Mitchell. A defensive pass, someone who could score the ball, shot well um, in the Big 12. But it developed a little later, similarly to Davion Mitchell, it's just that the head-to-head Davion Mitchell dominated. But now you're seeing those traits displayed on a summer league floor. Let's see if Deuce McBride can do so on the NBA floor for the Knicks. Though the guard room in New York is starting to get busy, yeah, and potentially could get more busy. At the shooting guard, I have two players because one did not play a ton. Moses Moody came out in the first summer league game. He played for the Warriors and scored 34 points. He showed that sophomore leap from the four, 14th pick of the season prior's draft, and he was phenomenal. Um, and the, the second one is Ben Matherin, the sixth pick this year from Arizona, and he had a quiet summer league in terms of the rumble and people saying, oh, wow, what, like what is he doing as a sixth pick? But he he was – he was productive in each game. He started off with a 20-point performance. He, he had spots of inefficiency, but overall he was able to score shooting threes, which you know was a big thing for him because he shot very well from three at Arizona in his two years, but also showed off his athleticism that really allows his his ceiling to be reached. His ceiling to be reached is, is based on scoring in a multitude of ways. He, he scored on alley-oops off the ball. He used his athleticism to get to the paint. His qu- questions were about dribbling, his isolation ability. He, he quieted some of the, the crowd that questioned his ability to score in isolation by getting to the mid-range, which he does well, and getting all the way to the rim, which was a question, can he do that? He showed his ability to do so, and that's, a, that's seemingly a very good pick at number six based off the performance in the summer league. At small forward, I mentioned he'd probably be first team if I were drafting for just NBA players in general. Trey Murphy, He, he in the games he played, Looked just calm, comfortable. It seemed like he grew defensively. He was very good and at times, and he's working on that side. He scored 30 points and was splashing threes. His stroke is beautiful. High release, high arc, nothing but net. 30 points, 20 points, 18 with 10 boards. Trey Murphy did it all in the games he played for the Pelicans and, and should be a rotation piece on what should be a very fun Pelicans team. At the Power forward, I have a guy. Sandro Mamukelishvili. I love Sandro Mamukelishvili. He played for the Bucks in the summer league, and he showed a second-year leap, the Seton Hall big lefty who was nicknamed Captain Brownbeard because the the Seton Hall Pirates are the Pirates, and it was a fun playoff of Blackbeard. And he showed all of the tricks. He played the center on defense for the Bucks and the point guard on offense at a lot of times. He had a couple games where he uh, exceeded the 20-point mark and had multiple assists as well as 10 rebound performances, the versatility, and then defensively, he's lost a little weight, become firmer, uh, slimmer, but firmer, and that helps him defensively. Really impressive showing for Mamou Kalashvili, and I'm curious to see. Obviously, you're not going to get minutes over Giannis or Brook Lopez, Bobby Portis. I'm serious to see how many minutes he gets this year because I think he could become an interesting depth piece and someone that's deserving of a larger role. And finally I have him at center and he very easily should probably be at the power four, but he played center a lot for his team. That's the number three pick Jabari Smith. Jabari Smith didn't necessarily shoot as well as, you know, advertised because he is, and he probably is the best shooter that went in the first round of the draft. But he, he had a couple quiet games and he, and he got overwhelmed by, the number of awesome players on the team. Tai Tai Washington at his moments. Tari Eason was first team all summer league for me. You saw uh, Josh Christopher was awesome and probably warrants a spot as a shooting guard in this for the games he played because he was super effective getting to the rim, forcing the action. But it's hard to score when you're playing a, you're a consummate team player like Jabari Smith who wanted to score and and show the, oh, I'm worth the number three pick. But at the same time, you you want to be a team player. And he showed defensive versatility up the wazoo. He was phenomenal on the defensive side and had games where he show, uh, flashed the shot-making ability and the beautiful jump shot he had. So that wraps up my uh, my two first and second team All-Summer League performers. And I just want to say thank you all to making Locked On NBA Big Board your first listen every day. And for your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. Well, that'll do it for me. I'm Leaf Tuleen, and the grinder is signing off. Probably going to watch some more basketball after I get a little bit of sleep, and I recommend you guys do the same as well as listening to this podcast. Thank you.